0: Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tunoff.
1: Welcome to today's episode for number 23. Today, we have a special guest, Helen Ho Sandy. She is the WordPress 4.0 core lead. That means she's leading the development of WordPress 4.0. Uh, before we get in and start talking to Helen, though, let's give a quick mention to our sponsorship. Today, we're honored to be sponsored by Gravity View, which is a new plugin from Zach Katz. That allows you to easily display entries from the popular Gravity Forms plugin on your website. So you can easily embed Gravity Forms entry data in any post or page. You can rearrange how it displays, create really cool outputs, etc. You can check it out at gravityview.co. Uh, and if you check out the show notes, they have a special discount code for the next two weeks for 20% off. Um, so go check it out, gravityview.co. Helen, you Hi. want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Say hello and tell us what you do.
2: Hi. So I'm Helen, and uh, I'm the Director of Platform Experience at TEDUP, um, a really awesome web agency uh, that you know, focuses on publishing experiences and doing really cool things for clients. Um, and I'm also a WordPress core committer and the 4.0 release lead. And that's, for the most part, what I've been doing with my time recently.
0: <laughs> awesome. So, Helen, when did you get started with WordPress?
2: Oh, man. So, I started with WordPress as a user. Um, I, I used Blogger when I was in high school, I guess. So, like 2002, 2001, that kind of area. Um, and I ended up going to college for music and didn't really blog, or really do much on the internet anymore, Um, and then went to grad school, you know, that kind of thing, and realized, you know, hey, I'm I'm probably needing to become a professional musician, and I should probably have a website, because, like, you know, that's what people do these days, (laughs) is look people up on the internet, Um, and, you know, MySpace you know, people would be like, oh, why don't you use MySpace? They do, like, band pages. And it's like, I play classical piano. It seems really weird. So I should probably learn about making my own website. And um, when I looked at Blogger, I was like, this is familiar to me. But at the time, Blogger didn't do pages. Um, They, like, just did posts. And somebody I knew who runs a blog on Blogger was like, well, have you ever looked at WordPress? I'm curious what you think of WordPress. And I was like, I don't know. No, I haven't, um, but I'll try this since I need to make a website. Um, I ended up making a static website because uh, I didn't know how to like make my own theme in WordPress or anything like that, but I did start a blog using WordPress.
1: So you had like, um, static pages and then one page was the blog that was WordPress?
2: I think it was like installed on a subdomain or something. Like, I think it was totally separate. Like they weren't related. <laughs> it, was, it was more like I thought maybe I could use something for my website, and I couldn't figure out how to do it, so I went back to just a plain old. Nice. It was a I remember bit doing that. Yeah.
1: Having websites that were like part of or were, were just static, and then they like I had another part that was WordPress, whether it was like a blog or. Yeah. I remember at one point I even had like random header sections that were like part of WordPress. Those yeah. Were,
2: yeah, I, I don't think I did anything all that complicated. So um, I was working in the computer lab at the time as a grad student, um, and the the tech people and the ed tech people were like, hey, you know, you're sitting here, maybe you should learn, like, a little bit about PHP and MySQL, because it's what we use on our website. You know, maybe you could, like, edit a couple of pages related to things that you do at the school, and I was like, cool, that sounds that sounds pretty sweet. Because um, I had done some C++ and Java in high school and college, um, so I, if you've ever done C++ or Java, like it translates to PHP pretty easily.
1: Yeah, it, um, it definitely does.
2: So, so I picked it up pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, like I, I didn't know anything about WordPress, and uh, and then after I graduated with my master's degree, um, I decided to stay there uh, where I, I was for grad school. No, not, like, just stay in the computer lab forever. Um, I decided <laughs> to stay in Rochester. Got it. Where uh, I went for grad school and um, and didn't have anything to do. It's really hard to be, a like, a full-time professional musician in an area that has a large music school because um, there's so many students. And uh, they hired me as the web developer at the Music Conservatory, um, a web developer. and And so I started working on the website, Um, And at some point we did, we had to do like a blog site um, for something related to the school. And I was like, well, I've used WordPress and it seems pretty cool and really easy to use, so we should do that. (laughs) So I made my first like full-on WordPress site. Um, It it was pretty simple, uh, but it was a custom theme, and I had no idea what I was doing. I think about it now, I'm sure there were tons of, terrible plugins, and who knows what I was doing in the theme, even though it was, you know, fairly fairly simple um, in terms of, like, you know, they're just posts. Um, but that's what I did, and because I was using it, I thought I should know what's happening with the software. Like, I don't like just blindly using things. Um, that's sort of, like, a, a core thing about me is that, like, I, I just have to know more all the time when I'm doing something. Um, so I started sort of following along with what was happening in WordPress, like using the betas and reading the, like, WordPress.org news announcements. Um, and I saw that they were working on, so this was, like, during 2.8, um, 2.8, 2.9, and then I saw that 3.0, when they started working on it, they were like, oh, we're going to be merging this thing called multisite." Um, actually, before that, in 2.9, they introduced, like, the custom post type API. Um, and there was another site we were working on that basically like used its own really terrible CMS, like it was, it was like a couple of web forms behind like you know basic HTTP off, <laughs> super secure. Um, so uh, I thought, oh, you know, like this whole custom post type thing that they're doing in 2.9 would translate really well to this this other website that's related. Um, maybe that would be a good idea. We didn't do that. Um, but then, when 3.0 started, they said, "Oh, we're we're, we're merging in multi-site." Um, and around this time, we had a bunch of budgets cut. This was like 2008, 2009, um, so like the whole recession thing. And uh, we had a bunch of budgets that were cut. So we had like their software budget. Um, you know, people had like direct FTP access to the website, so we had somebody like accidentally delete the homepage of oh, no. the school site. Um, and we thought, okay, so this is kind of terrible. We should maybe use, like, an actual CMS kind of thing. And, uh, but we have no budget, so, like, all those traditional big CMSs are, like, not an option. Um, so we, we looked at WordPress. because so I was like, well, we've been using it really successfully on this other blog, and uh, it seems to do more. And now they're mer- merging this multi-site thing, which, for a university, makes a lot of sense. Um, so you have, like, the home of the university is, like, the home network site. And then each office, department, um, and a music school studio, right, so, like, a a teacher's, you know, area, um, can have their own individual site on the network, right? And then you can kind of give, like, more granular permissions. So you can be like, hey, so the TA for this person's violin studio can have access to that violin studio site, but they can't access anything on the main site. Right. So like you can get more granular right. in that way.
0: Like they can't delete the homepage.
2: Right, exactly. And they can't like they can't even post anything that could possibly appear on the main site. Right. So like totally sequestered off. Um so we thought, hey, that would be a really smart idea. So we started that. And uh, a couple months after we got into planning for it, uh WordCamp New York twenty ten happened, I think, and they had a higher ed track. Um so Rochester's like a six hour drive from New York, and I saw it announced, like, the day before it was happening or something, and I thought, oh, my God, like, I really probably should go to this thing, so I drove overnight <laughs> to down in New York. crashed with a friend um, and went to WordCamp New York, and it was my first ever tech conference gathering of tech people, because um, up until then, I'd been a musician, and... Uh, uh, yeah, it, it was amazing. So I got to see people like Boone speak. I think I saw Mason speak, a bunch of people. And I thought, you know, this is a really this is a really cool vibe. Like, this community, most people seem really smart. They're really helpful. They're really opening to talking to, like, this random girl from, like, a music conservatory in upstate New York. Um, I really like it, and I think we should stick with it. So uh, it took us about a year from start to finish. Um, I was part-time at that point. Um but we launched the site eventually on WordPress. Um, so that was...
1: That's, that's amazing, that, that's yeah, awesome.
2: That's, that's my how I found WordPress and then started maybe developing uh, story. <laughs>
1: that's amazing. I, I love hearing people's kind of like their origin stories for how they came, became developers, how they got into WordPress, et cetera. And I think it's very clear that you have a, a drive to educate yourself uh, and to learn more about not just the platforms you're using, but become more involved with those which I think is a good segment into a segue into what I want to ask you next. So you started, you, you just told us how you got into WordPress. At what point then, was it shortly after WordCamp New York or in that next year that you started becoming more and more interested in, in WordPress core? I know that you s- said that you were kind of paying attention to what was happening. You were following betas. You were following announcements, things like that. But when did you really start diving into uh, WordPress core itself and trying to contribute back to that?
2: Yeah. Um, so it was while I was still at the university, but toward the end of it, um, I we started running our you know our test site on beta. Um, it was like three point one beta probably at that point, and um, and I was just noticing some little visual quirks here and there. Um, so I was very much a back-end developer um, then. So when I first started that job, I was a PHP and MySQL application developer. Like, I wrote custom in-house applications that had to hook to, like, FileMaker, which is not my most favorite thing to deal with. Um, my,
1: my father is a, a full-time FileMaker developer. Yeah. I'm familiar with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, it, it made sense. I just I didn't love it. And actually... That that site has, like, a custom WPDB connection to the FileMaker server for, like, this admissions thing. Like, it's still there, I'm sure. I, I doubt they changed it. Nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so I wasn't really a front-end developer or anything, and I sometimes don't, don't necessarily really think of myself that way. Um, but I definitely have an eye for details. Um, So it was just noticing like these tiny visual quirks and one day it was like, well, you know, I heard a session at WordCamp, you know, like six months ago or whatever about how to contribute or I don't think it was even about how to contribute, just somebody mentioned contributing, which is not something I had ever even thought of doing. It never occurred to me. Um, So I thought, well, maybe I should figure this whole like subversion thing out and whatever. So, um, so I. So that, that's so awesome because did, yeah.
1: you're jumping in and saying, oh, this is something that maybe I should just learn about, whereas I think a lot of people are are much more in the mindset of, I'm going to figure this out once I have to, <laughs> once
2: yeah. I need to. I mean, honestly, like, I felt like I needed to because, uh, you know, it, it had become clear to me that, like, version control was a thing. Like, I didn't know. Like, we were, like, just still FTPing everything up. Um, at the time, so like I didn't know what version control is, and I was like, "It seems like something people feel really strongly about. I should probably at least find out why they care so much about it." Um, so yeah, so I figured out how to make a patch and submitted it. And uh, Dominic Ocean90 reviewed my very first patch and was like, "You don't have to edit the compressed files." And I was like, "What do you mean? Like when you?" look at CSS and Inspector. it tells you it's like using the minified files. So like, how do you test something that's in, in a minified file, but you want a, the patch to only touch the non-minified file? So I was like hand editing a minified file. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so like I didn't know, like what, did, what do I know about this stuff? Like, We weren't doing anything like that. Um, and at the time, like in core, it wasn't a build tool. Like, it was, like, the committer ran YUI compressor every single time, so I just didn't know, and he was like, you don't need to do that, and I was like, okay, I'm learning, I don't know. Um, And then with some edits, eventually, like, a patch went in that sort of resembled my original one, and I got props for it, and...
1: uh, Is that first um, props kind of what drove you to just, just keep going?
2: Um, maybe a little bit. I just, I like tinkering with things, I think, and I didn't like the idea that, like, tiny little visual inconsistencies would be there, and that I would notice them, but if I didn't say anything, you know, like, that felt kind of wrong.
0: Cool. So, you're the lead on the 4.0 release of WordPress. How did that come about?
2: Yeah, uh, so we've been doing the release lead thing since uh, 3.5 when Mason was release lead and Coop was the backup lead. Um, So, the release lead is a lot of things. It's part technical project manager, right, so where you figure out, like, what kind of resources you need and help people who are stuck and need things. Um, there's a lot of that, and uh, there's some development that happens. There's some decision-making. Sometimes it's technical, sometimes it's not. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, you just need to know enough to be able to make that decision whether or not you're actually technical um, in terms of, like, what you do day-to-day. Um, but really, like, we we ask for volunteers um, at the end of 3.8 Um, It was starting out like, hey, so who who would like to throw their hat in the ring for 3.9? And I think the only person who did was me. Um, And uh, and it was sort of thought, okay, so 3.9's got some good stuff going on, but it would be cooler if maybe you spent this release um, kind of tracking feature plugins and, you know, helping out with those and just, you know, seeing how they go and then lead 4.0 instead. And I thought, yeah, so, like, that's real scary. <laughs> um, but, sure, you know, that sounds like a good plan. Like, let's, you know, I'll monitor some feature plugins and uh, give feedback and that kind of thing and then I'll lead 4.0 and it'll be cool. Um, so that was sort of the discussion that we had during 3.9, and uh, and I think it did work out better because at the time, like, my, you know, I have a son, and he was, you know, really young, like, under a year old, um, so it was, it was much tougher to put in, like, the kind of funny hours I do sometimes. Um, so I think overall it was better that I waited for 4.0 um, to lead, but um, basically it was a combination of putting my name out there saying, hey, I'd be willing to lead 3.9. Um, and then just also being a known person who's earned trust and earned respect. Of- I, think that,
1: I think it really helps yeah. to go to show that making yourself visible and and obviously helping build up a reputation of writing writing good code, having being a logical, intelligent developer, uh, but most like making yourself known is a really good way of well getting I guess, getting a, getting higher up and getting better at contributing to core. Uh, would, you, would you kind of agree with that?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it it's virtual, right? Like, it's, it's virtual and it's volunteer. So, by nature, the louder you are and the more noticeable you are, you know, the right. higher the chances that you'll be noticed. I mean, you know, it's like you... It's still best if you have a good attitude and you don't like say nasty things to contributors and that kind of thing. Right. Um, Le- volume
0: <laughs> alone doesn't do it.
2: Right. But uh,
0: just go on track and start trolling all the issues. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah. Like, that's not. But um, yeah, I mean, certainly, like, when it's you can't notice somebody who's not noticeable. Yeah, right. So absolutely. Um, and you know, like, like that was not easy for me. Like, I'm not really the kind of person to be like, hey, pay attention to me. Um, but at the same time, like, it just, you know, like I was saying, it, it didn't feel right that, you know, there was a chance to work on this software and that, you know, I have the, you know, the, the privilege and, and the luxury of being able to, like, work on something in my spare time, um, like, having that spare time is, is, you know, something really valuable, and I have that. And I have the ability to contribute to the software. So if I complain about it, and I don't do anything about it, then I'm kind of a I'm kind of horrible um, if I do that. So um, that's how I felt about it. Um, it. I certainly wasn't ever aiming to become a committer. Like that was not in my like my lifetime bucket list. I mean, that's probably
1: true with a lot of the people that are on core on the core committee team, and not just with WordPress, but like open source projects in general. It's, it's the people that have a, I mean, in some way, more of an altruistic opinion about it, and they they just want to give back, and it turns out that through that they get recognized as being really good at it.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's it's you know self-selecting your contributors, right? Like it's Definitely. it's not super easy to contribute, and and that's you know that's like sure. I'm not going to deny that it's not always easy to contribute, um, but at the same time, like you know. There is, like, an an attitude and a tenacity thing that comes with open source and not just WordPress. You
1: have Um, to be willing to step up and say, I think this should happen.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, advocate for what you want and, you know, really follow through in it.
1: So So. with that, what do you think were some of the the main challenges and and also, on the flip side, some of the main highlights of of being the release lead?
2: So um, I'll start with highlights, I guess. so the highlights have been, like, getting to know contributors, and especially ones who I might not otherwise interact with very much because they, you know, float around areas where I don't, you know, really get into as often. Um, but as release lead, I'm paying attention to, you know, a little bit of everything as opposed to really focusing on one area. Um, so it's even really even cool. the
1: areas you don't necessarily like as much.
2: Yeah, I mean, I... I think I like most things in core, but certainly, like, I don't typically look at the customizer API, for instance. Sure. And, you know, I'm not making decisions on that necessarily for this release, but, you know, working more closely with um, Nick Halsey, um, cello Expressions, this is Handle, if you're more familiar with Handles and Weston, mm-hmm. um, has been really cool because I think otherwise I might not have really interacted with them a whole lot. Um, so that's been really nice. Um, it's been nice to—I mean, like, I'll be honest. Like, it's been nice to feel respected. Um, you know, it's—it's it's really easy to like just get in the hole of like, okay, I'm getting stuff done. I'm just working. I'm just working. It's all good. I'm not really paying attention to what else is going on. Um, but certainly, like, I've felt the support of the community um, as I've been working through this release. Um, and, you know, the committers, you know, other committers and people that we consider, like, component maintainers um, have been really amazing this release. Just a lot of people putting in a lot of really good work um, and me feeling like, yeah, you know, like, I have this group of people that I can be, like, you know, that I can rely on and respect me and my decision-making um, and my opinion and that kind of thing. Um, so that's been really cool because I think my ride to, you know, from musician. And I'm still a musician, but my ride from like being a musician most of the time to being a web developer most of the time has been pretty fast. Um, you know, and it's it's easy to keep thinking of myself as like I don't want to say a nobody because it's like not the way that I really think about it, but it's really easy to forget that you know I like. I think I mean,
1: it's it's really easy to feel really really small on the internet.
2: Yeah, it is like, and and yeah, like it's there are a lot of issues about, like, me particularly being on the Internet, right? Sure. So, um, you know, it, it's been really nice to to feel validated with
0: you and
1: know, what any, I have been doing. any specific challenges that came with the role as well?
2: Challenges, I think I expected all of them because um, I've been through several releases now. Um, there's always a point where you just feel like, Everything is terrible. You know, like any project is like this, right? Like client work is the same. You reach that point toward the end where you're like, ah, oh, you know, how am I ever going to get all of this done? You know, what's even going on here? Everything looks terrible because I'm looking at it too closely. Um, you get to that point with everything. You know, I experience the same thing with client stuff. And um, and it, it that's been hard. Um, I think wrangling volunteers can be very difficult. Um Definitely. Because you know you want to be respectful of like you know the fact that you're doing all this stuff based off of people's goodwill, right? Yeah. Um, but, you mean, know.
1: Time. There's, there's only so much, so many demands you can put on them.
2: Right. Exactly. Like I can be like, hey, do you think maybe you'd be interested in helping? But I can't be like, just do it. Except for like you know the very small group of people who I know are working on it, right? You know, for some you know sponsored amount, um, and even at that, you know it's like. <laughs> you know, they it, unless it's like uh, like a another core committer or lead developer, um, it's still you know like at the whims of whoever is sponsoring them. So you have to be respectful. Um, so I think that's just been a challenge. You know, managing people is always a challenge. Um, trying to you know schedule out time and make sure that things stay on track. Uh, really stay on top of like ticket reports and what's going on, making hard decisions to punt tickets. Um, that's always a no, no one wants to hear
1: their punt, Their ticket was punted. Yeah,
2: sorry about the password thing. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> so, um, yeah, so it, that those are really hard, too, because, like, you know... It's
1: hard to be the bearer of bad news.
2: Yes, it is hard to be the bearer of bad news, and it's also, like, you know, you're looking at it and going, yeah, this is totally valid. We need to fix it, but, like, you just... You have to make a decision at some point... Right Because we don't do three year release cycles or whatever, like we we do rapid ones and we right. do iterative ones, and uh, you know like that and with that comes you know chopping things down because you have to, um, and that's that's also been tough
0: so you mentioned that you've pretty much expected the challenges that you faced, but were there any that were kind of unexpected?. Uh-huh.
2: I don't know that there was anything that I wasn't expecting um, and I think honestly like that's a big part of why um, I was chosen to be a release lead is that I've been around enough um, that some of these things that happen don't really surprise me You know, they still take energy and that kind of thing but nothing's been nothing's been out of the ordinary as far as releases go so,
1: so of all of the different things that have Come in that are going into 4.0 or that have already been finished. Uh, two questions for you. Number one, what is your favorite improvement uh, or change that has gone into 4.0? And maybe what was the your favorite that didn't go into 4.0? That was maybe originally slated for
2: 4.0. So I think when we started 4.0, there was some hope that the WP REST API would go in. Um, I think we all knew that it was a long shot. but um, You know, certainly, like, everybody was hopeful, right, because it sounds cool. It's, you know, it's the future of the web, and it's 4.0 because it's, like, a nice round number and all of that kind of thing. Um, you know, so there was some hope, I think, for it. Um, I'm glad it didn't go in. Um, you know, it, when you're building an API like that that's going to be used at the kind of scale it's going to be used at, you have to be really, really deliberate about it.
1: You really have to get it right.
2: Yes, and I think that you know what we're doing now is we're really seeing people build on it, and what kinds of you know pain points come up as people build on it in the real world, right? Because like that's why I can like that's why Tenet pays me to work on WordPress is you know besides the community thing is also that like I'm bringing back what we've learned as pain points because we do integration work, right? Like, every single different use case is gonna reveal different pain points. Um, so the more things get that get built on the API now before it, like, becomes a slow-moving part of core, um, the better off we'll be, right? Because, like, once it goes into core, it can only update right. with core. As opposed to being a plugin where it can like update as much you as it can wants
1: to, update every night for, <laughs> for one
2: exactly. So like rapid iteration versus deliberate iteration. Um, sure. Um, yeah. So I think I think that was nice. There is a part of me. Um, I certainly didn't do it deliberately, but there is a part of me that is very glad that we don't have one giant trumpet feature for this release. Um, and and a lot of it is like combating that round number bias. Right. Right. Everyone like,
1: says, "Hey, this is version 4.0. Where's that amazing new feature?"
2: Yeah, this is WordPress four. What makes it four? And it's like, well, that's not how we number things. And yeah, you know, like if if you're into version numbers and whatever, like that is super confusing. And I get that. Um, but we just we just don't do things that way, right? And and you know, we honestly like there's so many things already in WordPress that iterating on what we've got to me, is what's what really defines us as a project.
1: right? I, I 100% yeah. agree. Iterative development and doing releases that are refining existing features is one of my favorite kind of releases. Um, I think, definitely as a developer, I know there's times and as a user, I see a new version, and I don't see that big new feature, and I, and I do get into that trap of being like, oh, it could have been more. Yeah. But, then I can take a step back and realize, wait a minute, this little area right here is so much smoother. Like for example, the uh, the double scroll bars now or that are gone from the editor is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I love that feature so much. I actually, I knew that it was happening but then I saw it the other day when I uh, I was playing with Trunk and I was do, going around, I was working on some other plugin and I just noticed it offhand, but it grabbed me because like, this is amazing. And so those little kinds of refinements are they're beautiful.
0: There's a Tumblr called uh, Little Big Details or something like that. Have you guys ever heard of that? Yeah, yeah, I can't remember the name. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they kind of highlight some really cool stuff in apps. So, some like granular details that are really uh, minor but important and that add a lot to the user experience. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about here.
1: I think yeah. it definitely is. And those those little details to me say a lot about how much the the developers and the maintainers of a project actually care about the project. Yeah. Anybody can build a big new feature. Not everybody can polish it so well. Yeah.
2: yeah, and also...
0: Actually, it's littlebigdetails.com. That's the site. Yeah, there you go. Ah, there we go.
2: You would recognize
0: Yeah. Awesome. So, Helen, you are... Um, you were actually paid by
1: 10 to work on core full-time or mostly full-time, right? Yeah. How was, um, tell us about that. I mean, it does that, it was that a huge contributing factor in becoming the release lead and uh, a factor in how much you're able to put into core. I and mean, obviously you're not, since you're paid by 10up to do it, it's not as much of, I'm trying to find my time in the, in the evenings or late at night or early in the morning. So you work in core most of the days, right?
2: Yes. So there are a lot of pieces to this. Um, It's not what I started at 10UP doing. Um, Believe it or not, I was the first employee, full-time employee at 10UP uh, almost exactly three years ago. Um, And it definitely was not like why I started at 10UP. I hadn't done a whole lot with it before starting at 10UP. Um, For me... It it does enable me to do a lot of things that I might not otherwise be able to do now because I have a family. Um, so it enables me to work on it during the day as opposed to like during weird hours. Although right, right. the reality Two hours,
1: your son goes to bed and
2: right the reality though is that I work on things at weird hours and that's a a, a part of working with people all across the world. Right, so like I do things at really weird times a day still. And um, so that actually hasn't really changed. Um, it just means that like maybe I can take an hour off during the day instead, when like maybe otherwise you would you should be working or like in a client meeting. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I,
1: I, I just thought about this because uh, I've got two developers that work with we we with me remotely here in town for the, the week, and we we started getting onto the subject of like what do our neighbors think about what we do. My neighbor is a. Uh, He's a standard blue collar worker. I think he works at a dealership, and he'll be going to work in the morning. I'm sitting outside, like in shorts and a t-shirt, obviously just woken up, drinking my coffee, and I realize, I bet people think that I'm a bum, and yeah. that I don't do anything. And I, I think that's just—it's a—it's an effect of—I mean, it's a just what happens because of the weird hours that we work, or or not just the, necessarily the weird hours, but also the weird circumstances in how we work for most compared to most people.
2: Yeah. It's a, the, yeah, the, I think the, the
1: it's a confused. <laughs> do you have Do you have a hard time explaining or, like, when people ask what you do or how you're working at home?
2: Um, so I think around here, um, you know, so, like, I live just outside of Manhattan. Um, so around here, I think it's more common to find people with less traditional job paths. Um, so I actually don't get so many questions about it. I think what does confuse people, though, is that my husband is a musician, um, and also is, you know, like, full-time, realistically, he's the parent, he's a stay-at-home parent, um, so we're both at home all the time. I think that's confusing <laughs> for our neighbors, is that they, they always see us during the day, and I yeah, don't...
1: my wife and I are the same way.
2: Yeah, so they, they probably think that we don't do anything or something. Um, I, I think they do know better. I think web development is something that's pretty well understood. Um, like as a, at least as like being a legitimate job. Yeah. Um, And, uh, yeah, I don't get so many questions about that, but um, certainly like one of the things that I've been sort of battling a little bit is that when we do go out and we, you know, meet people or we, you know, like encounter people around here, um, there's this really subtle way of always asking, you know, because we have a baby, so they always ask my husband what he does and they never ask me right um so there's there's this assumption that i am a stay at home mom um who isn't her own person or something um and so that's been that's been a little weird um so yeah but that's really yeah
0: weird. my wife gets the same thing yeah she's been doing her phd uh and people just kind of assume that she's you know, stay at home Yeah, mom.
2: like, oh, you're just hanging out at home. Yeah, that's, that's not what I'm doing at all. Um,
0: Making the internet awesome.
2: Yeah, I make the internet. That's what I tell people sometimes. Yeah. And I give you this look of, like, oh, ha you're so funny. And it's like, no, but, like, really. No, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's actually <laughs> what I'm doing. Um, so, yeah, to so, kind of, yeah, so we, I get paid to do it, um, which just means that, like, I'm more able to not do the client stuff I guess, is really all it is. Um, sure. I am a director at 10UP, so I do some internal leadership. Um, some of my community time doesn't just go to cores. So I call it community time. Obviously, a lot of it goes into core, um, but I also speak at a lot of WordCamps. Um, I have I now co-organize a meetup here in Jersey City, um, along with Jen Schiffer. We co-organize Jersey Script, so that's pretty cool. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so like I I do things like that. I'm trying to get out of the WordPress world a little bit, so I'm trying to speak at events that are not WordPress oriented. Branching out. Yeah, um, I spoke at 200OK, uh, OK, the like a web development conference in Tulsa last year. That was pretty cool. Very cool.
0: Um, so, what was your motivation for branching out?
2: For branching out. Um, my personal motivation. There's a lot of things. Um, there's you know, obviously like self betterment. Um, just getting better at my craft, um, meeting people. Um, I like to like spread the word about WordPress. Um, I think, as as we all know, like there there are a lot of misconceptions about WordPress, and there are also a lot of valid complaints about WordPress. Um, and I like getting out of our out of our know, bubble. We are we are yeah, it is. I mean, that's what I love about the community too, right? Is like we are a very positive group for the most part. And you know, it's such a lovely group of people. And every time you go to WordCamp, you make new friends. But at the same time, like, there is a point where, like, you know, not everything is positive, and and we're not our own best users, right? So there's huge value in getting outside of like. It's
1: know? it's really nice to talk to people that not just are not WordPress users, but also maybe who are no longer WordPress users, and find out
2: why. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, I, this thing burned me and I don't want to go back. Yeah. Um, and if yeah. we think about the way that we think about things as well, like, we do the same thing. It's just that we are so invested in WordPress that we forget that, you know, when you get burned by something, you don't want to go back.
1: I mean, um, absolutely. I can think of uh, my first experience with a couple of other CMSs and I think, go back and say, that didn't work out very well and I have no interest in using them. And it's yeah. because I got burned. Yeah, yeah Absolutely.
2: So yeah, so that's that's been really nice. Um, obviously, for Ted Up, it's great for recruiting. It's great for getting our name out there. Um, you know, and and when we you know pitch to clients and that kind of thing, they love that. Um, you know that we we have like demonstrated deep knowledge of WordPress, right? Um, but that it's like publicly visible, and that you know you have that kind of expertise on the team. Um, being in this area, in New York, um, I meet up with clients uh, fairly regularly, um, both for like new sales and also for just like continued strategy and that kind of thing. Um, and I do enjoy doing that as well, because uh, I love 10Up as well as I love WordPress. That's um,
0: awesome.
2: So, yes, yeah, so I love doing those things for the company as well.
0: So if someone is listening that is interested in getting involved, contributing to Core, um, what would you tell them or what would you say to them?
2: I would say to scratch rich. Um, we say that all the time, so it sounds kind of corny. Um, but it's, it does require some tenacity to contribute, right? Because like, depending on where we are in the dev cycle, like we might not be able to commit that thing that you worked on so hard right now. Like, right now, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, can you commit this thing? I made a patch. And it's like, sorry, no enhancements right now. Um, so sometimes you have to wait, right? And, like, sometimes tickets get, they don't get noticed because WordPress is a very busy project, which is nice and healthy, but also it's just a lot of information to parts all the time. Um, so, you know, sometimes tickets get lost, so you have to, you know, be willing to come and be like, hey, can somebody please pay attention? Hey, where are we with this? Um... Do you, know, you have
1: to be willing to, to speak up?
2: Yes, you have to be willing to speak up and willing to wait a little bit sometimes and understand the, the dev cycle, just like self-learning. Um, so I think when you have something you're working on that is really meaningful to you um, as opposed to just looking to work on something because you're looking for a quick props, um, I think there's more success in those Um, just because, like, when you're invested in it, you know, it's easy to stick with it. Um, Of course, like, if you're comfortable with something like a bug tracker, then you can look through track and be like, hey, you know, I see this is slated for 4.0 and needs a patch, and I should work on it. Um, But you're not born knowing how to use track, so, like, it's not always a great place to start. Um, But, yeah, so I think looking for something that you're into, so, like, for me, like, my first patch was, like, some stars had the wrong color border. Like, it sounds really small, but that's something that I noticed and was bugging me So I wanted to work on it, right? Like, it wasn't like, oh, this is already, you know, this is guaranteed to get into this release. Like, that's sort of, like, a, a funny motivation. It's not bad. It's just, sure. like, a, a not the way that we, like, operate the project. So. I think it's very
1: easy for people to come in and kind of have a uh, a misconception that says, "Okay, I I found this issue, whether it's an enhancement or a bug, I wrote a patch. The patch seems to work, so it'll just obviously go right in." Well, right, duh. No, and I think people have that misconception that that's just not quite the way that it, that it works. I learned that the hard way for sure. I remember a couple of my first patches, like sat, I put them in, and they sat there for months, and I was like, "Why Why is no one looking at this?" Um, but then once I once I spoke up and kind of like asked, like I got that kind of process was made more clear to me, people explained it, um, and I think that helped a lot. But it was really that speaking up and trying to figure out, like, not, not just about getting noticed, but saying, hey, here is this, I would love to know what someone thinks about it. Mm-hmm. As opposed yeah. to just assuming that someone will see it.
2: So I think, I think uh, this touches on a really interesting thing that we've been working on um, in terms of like you know, core project management um, which is that, you know, you're right. I think a lot of people do submit patches and assume they're going to be reviewed or, like, at least looked at, right? Um, and I don't think that's an unfair assumption, um, but I don't think that we're equipped to do it because it's such a large project, right? And it's it's a high volume of stuff that's coming in all the time. Yeah. So what we're working on, and, uh, you know, mostly through nason working on things on the .org side, but... um. So they're, they're components, right? So track has a field for components. And we think of components as like this functional piece of WordPress, right? So like the customizer is a functional piece of WordPress. And what we, what we wanna do is find people who become then the maintainers of that component. That's not a committer. It's not, you know, like, it, it, and being a committer, like, honestly, is not really all that glamorous. Um, it's not about becoming a committer. It's about saying, like, I have, through whatever means, developed this expertise in this area of WordPress, in this functional component of WordPress, and I therefore feel empowered to understand not only how this component works now, but have a vision for how it could work in the future, um, and how, right, and how we maintain that compatibility. Um, you know, like, where it could go, what awesome things it could be, how it's going to work on, like, different devices, you know, whatever. Like, all kinds of aspects of whatever component. Um, And we want people who have developed that deep knowledge in whatever means um, to come and say, like, I am a part of maintaining this component. And that person, then, is empowered um, by way of trust, essentially, right? Like, Like, hey, I'm a... They're they're listed on the page as a component maintainer. So like for the customizer, we have um, Weston, Nick, and I believe Dominic um, as listed as like maintainers of this component. Um, so you can like subscribe to a component if you just want to like check it out. So there's that that aspect to it as well. Um, I think
1: then, that right there, being able to subscribe to individual components is the one of the biggest things I found personally that made it a lot easier. Just being able to see what's happening in a particular part of core that I care about, maybe more so than other parts, and just seeing those tickets come through, seeing that discussion, and okay. being seeing like, oh, I could jump in here. Yep,
2: yeah, and and that's the other thing. It's like,
0: it really helps cut through the noise. It
2: does. Yeah, there's a lot of noise, and I think also with that, then that's a way to develop that kind of expertise and that component over time. by watching what happens in core learning what other parts of core maybe you do have to consider. Um, and then, so like in an ideal world, right, we have a component maintainer who may or may not have commit access. It's sort of like beyond the point. Because um, commit access for us is just a formality of like pushing code because we use Subversion. Um, so a component maintainer should be able to see the tickets as they come into their component, Um, and give quicker feedback than waiting for one of, you know, 10 to 13 committers to come review it, right? So there can be a much larger body of component maintainers. And as a a new ticket comes in, they can kind of give it an overview. If there's a patch, they can review the patch, give feedback on it, give feedback on the ticket, maybe close it out immediately, um, which is also super helpful so that we just don't have so many things open all the time. Sure. Um, you know, it's, it's great to have open tickets, especially because, like, we track, like, features and wish list items, too, but, like, to, you know, just cut out the noise, right? Like, like we don't need this. Definitely. You know, we can close make this. It easier. Make things. it easier to
1: find things, make it easier to keep track of things. Right,
2: exactly, and also to define, like, future roadmaps for that component yep. and that kind of thing. And so ideally, these people, they would be able to review a patch and say, hey, this is ready for commit. I think this is awesome." And then all a committer has to do now is do a final review and hopefully commit it. It goes much faster. So Pippin, you at um, the WordCamp New York Contributor Day reviewed a patch that's actually been in my court for like months, Um, but (laughs) because like it hadn't, it it had some people like look at the patch and say, oh hey, it works, which is also really helpful, Um, but I don't think anybody had really done much of like a patch review. Sure, but I felt like okay, so I know Pippin, you know, like not just because I've met him or something, but like I know him, like what he what he's worked on and stuff he's done in track. Um, I feel pretty confident that he's looked at this patch and it seems good to him, and I still have a question about this patch now having looked at it, but now I know that there's a person that I can communicate with and ask this one last question of before I go commit it, right? Instead of me having to do the initial review leave feedback, wait for a response to the feedback, and then maybe commit it, right? Like, that's that's a lot more time and energy than just doing a a last cursory review of something before committing it. Um, And so that finally went in, you know, not just because it was slated for 4.0, but because somebody, like, who wasn't... Because somebody else looked at it
1: and and helped give that extra feedback.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Somebody kicked it and was like, hey... Here's one less step that a committer has to take in order for this to become a core.
1: There's definitely a lot sitting around a core that can have that, so for anybody who is listening, uh, if if this is, if if you're having trouble getting active, I think that's a really great way to go ahead and get involved, is go find those ones that have been sitting around and need that extra kick. Uh, I know we could go on probably for, for hours talking about core. Uh, unfortunately, I think we are getting about out of time. Oh, yeah. So, Helen, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Quickly, um, tell people where they can find you online for any questions that they may have if they want to get in touch uh, or just look up what you do.
2: Uh, sure. Um, I'm at Helen Hoesendi on Twitter. I'm fairly active there. Um, I'm just Helen in Freenode in IRC. If you want to come find me for uh, WordPress development things um, or we, we hold daily bug scrubs right now um, at 11 a.m. Eastern. So, if you want to just see how that works, you can come check that out. Um, you don't have to say anything. You can just sit there in, in the WordPress Dev channel Absorb and watch. Absorb knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> just see how how it works. It's really it really is not, you know, a scary awesome. glamorous thing. Um, I'm Helenhosendi.com. If you want to see what I do, um, and Tenup.com is is our lovely company.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Helen. Of course. Brad.
0: Yes, I just wanted to mention Big Snow Tiny Conf it's the ski getaway and conference for business owners so if you have a business and you would like to do some skiing snowboarding and talk business uh, come join us uh, at Sugarbush mountain in Vermont January 26th to 29th Uh, bigsnowtinyconf.com for the details and to subscribe to our mailing list very cool Um, also uh, you should head on over to iTunes leave us a review that would be awesome it not only helps us but it also helps people find uh, our podcast so we'd really appreciate that and i just want to say thanks again to our sponsors gravity view and wp ninjas thanks everybody